Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. You know, the other day at work, my co-workers surprised me for my 30th anniversary. And while I really didn't think it was necessary, they did. And I enjoyed it. It was very nice. Well, maybe you've been in that situation before for an anniversary or winning an award or even just your birthday. One of those situations where it's all about you, whether you like it or not. You just get through it, right? But not everyone feels that way. For some, these celebratory situations can be stressful or even harmful. Take the case of Kevin Burling. Back in 2019, he warned his employer, Gravity Diagnostics of Kentucky, that a birthday party for him could possibly trigger a panic attack and that he'd prefer not to be celebrated. Well, against his wishes, Burling's employer threw a surprise party for him and then fired him after he got upset, according to court documents. Well, this March, a jury found that Gravity had taken, quote, adverse employment action against Burling for his anxiety disability and awarded him nearly a half a million dollars. Here on Something Offbeat, we dig into unusual, thought-provoking news stories like this. Erling's case left us wondering, why are mental health conditions so frequently understood as less valid than other health concerns? And why are boundaries so often violated in situations like Burling's? I'm your host, Mike Rogers, and I recently spoke with Dr. Kevin Chapman, the founder and director of the Kentucky Center for Anxiety and Related Disorders, to understand more about attitudes around mental health and how we can be better at respecting others. How can something as innocuous as a birthday party trigger a panic attack? Or is even asking that question a part of the problem, kind of downplaying mental health conditions? Yeah, you know, Mike, I think that downplaying mental health conditions is really the issue in this case. You know, I think every individual is different, obviously. But I think that it's really important to know that, you know, when we think about mental health, I think there's still a stigma attached to it. In many ways, people think that you could just get over conditions like anxiety and whatnot. And that obviously is not the case, especially for somebody who has a diagnosable anxiety condition, like in this case, for example. You hear that a lot about depression. People say, just get over it. Yeah, you do. And it's really interesting because, you know, it's kind of like saying, Oh, just think positive. Well, someone who's depressed will probably punch you in the face if you say that, because it's something they've already thought about, right? If it were just as simple as flipping a switch, we wouldn't be having this conversation. So it's the same for depression. Oh, just get up and walk around. Oh, well, if it were that easy, clearly we wouldn't be having the issues that we see in our in our country in that regard. If you're listening to this in public, look around. The odds are that there are at least a couple of people around you living with anxiety disorders. In fact, Nearly one in five American adults live with them, according to the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Grammy-winning country artist Luke Combs is one of them. He joined Odyssey's annual I'm Listening broadcast back in 2020 to discuss his mental health journey. My mental health is uh, good these days. I'm trying to stay positive, uh, you know, doing everything I can uh, to have an optimistic outlook. 
Um, I am somebody who has struggled with anxiety a lot um, in my past. Uh, it's been actually a really huge part of my life. Have you ever helped a patient in, in a similar situation, someone who's prone to panic attacks? Yeah, I treat panic on a regular basis. So, in fact, I, uh, I do an intensive treatment approach to panic. So I, I have a lot of experience with treating you know, clients who have panic attacks. Is there a recommended treatment or, or therapy for this other than just calm down, you know, <laughs> deep, deep, deep breaths, happy thoughts? Yeah, indeed. So the first line treatment, which is the case, ironically, that goes back to what you asked earlier about the stigma, is, of course, medication. Typically, psychotropic medication like an antidepressant tends to be the first line treatment. Um, certainly a benzodiazepine like Clonopin or a Xanax and things like that tend to be the first line treatment. But the gold standard treatment, the best available treatment, is what we call cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT, which is an exposure-based treatment where you teach the client to not only understand the ins and outs of anxiety and panic in their relationship, knowledge is power, but you also help them navigate not only confronting the physical sensations in their body, teaching them that they're harmless, though uncomfortable, but also the situations in which they occur. And that definitely can happen rapidly if the client is motivated. So cognitive behavioral therapy is absolutely the best available treatment for panic. For, for someone who's never experienced one or doesn't know anyone who has, what does it feel like to have so, a panic attack? Yeah, Mike, it's a great question. And I tell people all the time, knowledge is important. So with that being said, many people don't know that when we think of fight, flight, or freeze, the fear response, right, which is very adaptive, if we're in a dangerous situation like a fire or, you know, a vicious animal or an attack or what have you, fear and panic are literally the exact same process. So if you think about what happens with someone who is in a fire, for instance, they're having heart palpitations, shortness of breath, lightheadedness, dizziness, heat or cold flushes in their body, tingling sensations in their hands and feet. And when you're in a dangerous situation, Mike, you're not paying attention to that. Why? Because you're paying attention to escape or to fighting off the threat, right? But when you're having a panic attack, on the other hand, it's the exact same process. The problem, though, is there's no threat or danger. So think about it. I'm experiencing fight, flight, or freeze. I feel like something's wrong with me in my body. Like I'm going absolutely bananas. I'm going to pass out. I'm dying. I'm having a heart attack. When in reality, there's no threat. Think about how that would feel for someone when they're trying to figure out what's happening and they have no attributable source to the threat, the fear that they're having in their body. It's absolutely uncomfortable and can be debilitating for people unless they receive treatment. Most Americans don't believe that having a mental illness is something to be ashamed of. This is according to a 2019 survey from the American Psychological Association. However, one third of people surveyed said they did not consider anxiety to be a mental illness, and more than half said they felt full mental illness was different from serious physical illness. But when it comes to conditions identified as serious mental illness, like bipolar disorder, major depressive disorder, schizophrenia, there are common misconceptions that these conditions are a choice, or a weakness, or a character flaw. It's according to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Chapman explained how these attitudes around mental health might have played into Kevin Burling's experience. We don't do this with like diabetes or epilepsy or, or allergies. I mean, if you've got a request related to any of those and many others, that request is more often than not, it's going to be honored. But with mental health, though, are we more likely to think that someone is you know, just overreacting? You know, unfortunately, Mike, I think the answer is a resounding yes. 
think that it varies condition to condition, but I think in this case we see clearly, even though it's a lot better today, the stigma is, is there's still a stigma associated with mental health conditions when in reality, you know, there's obviously there's a brain part of it, there's a physiological part of it, there's an emotional part of it. And I think that our society has been conditioned to think about physical health differently than mental health. And I think we all know at this point that they're bi-directional. There's a relationship between the two and they're equally important as opposed to one being, oh, just get over it and think differently. It's literally the same and can be more debilitating than many mental health medical conditions that we think of like diabetes and whatnot because it impairs your functioning. You know, we spend millions of dollars with a U.S. mental health bill as a result of that. And it's a huge problem that needs to change. This year, the Biden administration announced that it is, quote, laying out a vision to transform how mental health is understood, perceived, accessed, treated, and integrated, both in and out of healthcare settings. Let's take on mental health, especially among our children whose lives and education have been turned upside down. How would you have recommended the staff at this company handle the request? I guess the, the, the obvious answer is just honor it. Well, in many ways, I think the short, simple answer, not knowing all the details and not speaking specifically to that per se, but I'd say generally speaking, it would you would think that just honoring the request or at least, again, requesting more information to help me understand, right? Like simply asking the right questions, I think would be important. Like, well, what would this mean to you? Like, are there other situations like this that this happened in? Like, how would you respond if these things took place? I mean, that's just honoring and being a nice person, right? That's just showing compassion and whatnot. Generally speaking, again, I don't know the details about how it went down, except what I read, of course. But nonetheless, I think honoring it would have been the simplest explanation. You know, the more than 50 million people living with mental health conditions in the U.S. today still struggle with the stigma and misunderstanding about their conditions. In fact, research from human resources company Paychecks found that most people are uncomfortable even telling their managers or supervisors about their mental health. And and how can people in this situation, like this guy at the office with the birthday party, how can people in that situation better advocate for themselves? You know, I think that it's very, I think if you're someone who is being seen in treatment, especially for a mental health condition, and you know how debilitating it is, Mike. We talk about two criteria. Number one, if there's anxiety symptoms that are significantly distressing to me. In other words, I'm personally bothered by the intensity of the symptoms. Secondly, if those symptoms impair my functioning, meaning I'm not at my tip-top shape in these situations with work, family members, school, and what have you, then typically what that means is that I need to be able to say to an employer or someone in my surrounding, here's the condition that I have. And because of that condition, here are the things that I'm limited with right now, right? If they have like a psychologist or a psychiatrist or a physician or another mental health professional, then I think in many ways they can help them advocate for them as well and say, here are the things that you're able to do and not do. Um, largely speaking, though, I think that in the case of panic and related symptoms, I think it's more so being transparent and recognizing that this is as important as a medical condition and here's some documentation to say, here, here are the things that I can and can't do. And in this case, I, you know, again, it was a matter of just not shocking me, right? <laughs> like, just don't put me on the spot. And, you know, that that's relatively simple, right? Because I don't think that person would have been restricted from doing much of anything else. Luke Combs, who we heard from earlier, offered Odyssey listeners some advice about living with a mental health condition. Uh, a couple ways or, or tools, I guess you would say, uh, to maintain my mental health is... Um, 
making myself aware to the things that I know I'm prone to. Uh, I think information is key uh, for things like that and knowing what you're dealing with and how they operate has been one of the biggest things for me and knowing when maybe some of those things that are happening to you, being aware or cognizant of the way your mind works in certain situations has been the most important thing for me. People with mental health conditions should feel comfortable setting boundaries, like Burling's request not to have had that office birthday party. And it's important that those boundaries are honored. And as you said earlier, if you're on the receiving end of this uh, this request and, and this information, just show a little empathy, right? It's not that hard. Absolutely. And I think, Mike, that's part of the problem is that so many people can't empathize. I think they can sympathize. But unless you've dealt with it yourself or been a mental health professional, I think the empathy part is hard, right? Because you can't really understand how they feel. But show compassion 100% and sympathy to say that sounds like it must be hard for you. Asking questions is always the best policy, right? Stop assuming and asking questions to the individual who is struggling with the symptoms so that you can try your best in for us. I'm Mike Rogers with News Radio 1080 KRLD in Dallas, Fort Worth. And thank you so much for joining me on Something Offbeat, focusing on those stories that make us think, like the one you've just heard. Or how about people trying to transform their body through leg lengthening surgery? That's a real thing. And there are so many more. If you'd like to hear them, go ahead and subscribe to us on the Odyssey app. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. Or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friend. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 